in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol, along with our special Star Wars expert, Tim Fitzsimons. Today we're reviewing the new space western television series, The Book of Boba Fett, which was created by Jon Favreau. Streamed on Disney Plus, the first official spin-off series from the beloved Mandalorian show. So, gents, we were teased at the uh, I guess it's kind of a spoiler that this show even exists if you haven't caught up with Mandalorian, but that's on you. It's been out for a while, and as we say in this podcast all the time, if you've not caught up with these shows, why you listen to the review in the first place? This will be a spoiler review. Spoiler warning. There it is. So, obviously, we got Boba, came back, tail end of season two of Mandalorian. He made quite an entrance, but uh, yeah, at the end of the season, he came back to Jabba's palace, took out Bib Fortuna, who was like... Big Fortuna. Big old fat, big, <laughs> big Fortuna. Fortuna. And we got the little, the book of Boba Fett coming soon. So, here we are. We know there's multiple spinoffs that are going to come off of The Mandalorian because there's so many great characters, but Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett getting his own show. Uh, Tamora back, of course, to play this beloved character and to see what could happen in the what was teased with the trailer, definitely a Godfather style. Him taking over Jabba's role. What's going to happen? So, first off, let's just go with expectations. Tim, you know, you as our guest, came back here. We always love having you on. We do our Star Wars chats. You know, Boba Fett is this really mysterious character from the original trilogy that was one of those characters that didn't have a lot of dialogue, just has that really cool, you know, helmet and the armor and his whole thing with Han Solo. Then we got a little bit more when it got to the prequels of Jango Fett. So you also being someone that has watched all the Clone Wars and knowing that character, what was your expectations for a Boba Fett who is now here and how he got here, all that stuff, and what is to happen with his role in, you know, on Tatooine? What was your expectations for this show? Um, well, uh, first of all, great to be back with you guys. Love doing these uh, podcasts with you. Um, my expectations, I mean, definitely were high. I mean, Mandalorian set the bar, set the bar, the bar fairly high when it came, when it's come to these Star Wars shows and, you know, the world building, we have built such an expectation with what we're going to get from something helmed by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, and so it definitely warms up where, Man, where Mandalorian sits um, of expectation. It, I don't know if it, completely eclipsed or got to those high expectations i probably just set them a little too high for myself but there was a lot of good that came in that came in this show with just you know there were some parts that were slower than others and it definitely threw a lot of people off it was not what people were expecting but knowing his storyline from the clone wars going into it i had high expectations i don't know if they were fully met but I still very much enjoyed the experience and the progression in the story of where Boba ended up 
from you know Chris and my Chris you and I chatted about this the other day. I I feel like this actually did follow where Boba's journey was going to go. Like it made sense with where we left him off, not just from Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back, but what you learn about him between Attack of the Clones and then through the Clone Wars series. Um, and so I thought it made very I thought it made a lot of sense, even if at times the storytelling itself was slow. Uh, to jump on your point. Tim, you bring up an excellent point about Star Wars is, you know, just like kind of the MCU, it's such a rich tapestry of characters, mediums, you know, from animated to live action, from shows to movies, expanding your universe and whatnot, you know, following the actual universe set by Disney now, you know, this kind of brings up a great point that you almost have to watch everything that's out currently to really get the backstory. And for a casual viewer or not an extensive Star Wars fan as maybe you you know, my expectation going there, like, I think there needed to be more. I was really excited to maybe this is going to be a bit darker because Mandalorian, it's got some action, but it's more, you know, cutesy. We got little Grogu, a uh, spoiler, that's his name, um, little baby Yoda. And, uh, you know, just kind of this cute little father son relationship. And it's, it's, it's fun, a little, little bit edgy, but nothing, you know, nothing too out there with Star Wars. This one had the opportunity to be like, a proper, you know, crime drama, you know, maybe some like interesting, like building of the, of the family of the, um, of the Star Wars family, if you will. So I was really excited about this is going to be edgier because Boba already like made a splash as Chris said with it, you know, coming back in season, uh, season two. So I was like, Oh dude, this is great. Like I, I, I audibly screamed when he appeared once to get his armor, you know? So, but having said that, you know, going in this, it was it was a lot of slow building, you know, for an episode a week, you know, it was a bit challenging. I, I let, I did appreciate some reviews are saying if you, when, if you watch this binging it all the way through, it's more interesting, exciting. But if you're waiting every week for an episode, it was kind of like, you know, what's going on? Let's, let's, let's go already. It is hard now with, with the method of we're doing a series, you're going to have an episode a week. Sometimes you know, you're hoping that every episode, even if not the most exciting episode on the planet, is going to give you the audience still wants to come back the following week. You have your diehard fans that are going to watch it through no matter what. But those casual viewers, I think, could be phased one way or the other if it's not meeting their expectations or it's just not interesting enough. And I did think this show, it did kind of fall into it's a trap of it wasn't the most cohesive storytelling because we have a lot of flashbacks we don't get a lot of continuation story of the what's present day for this story and then we have this whole tangent two episodes that was very strange for it and it almost felt like you know they they made the interesting choice to do seven episodes instead of eight as mandalorian had done before i wonder if that one episode further with some added scenes and some stuff would have maybe helped for some reason, that was the budget and what they wanted to say was, let's just do seven. So who knows if that was, uh, you know, on purpose, if that's just, you know, budget reasons or whatever. But definitely, I would think overall, still had a lot of enjoyable moments. And this could still be season one, for all we know. You know, I don't know. It's so hard to know if the, the, with the fan love and hate of this show, if this would get a second season. That's TBD. Uh, obviously, Mandalorian season three is is coming. Uh, but um, 
So who knows? But let's get into this. So we're not going to dive into every single section of this show, but uh, I think ever since it, it literally is a kind of like a running joke in the Star Wars community, but even the comedy community, ever since Pan Oswalt came out and did that whole thing on Parks and Rec, the filibuster scene where he describes what he wanted episode seven to be. And there's an extended cut on YouTube. I highly recommend you go watch if you have not, because so he starts, he so starts, good. he starts basically <laughs> teasing what is now actually Disney, which is like, it's just so funny. Uh, but the actual, this entire time, you know, when Boba fell into the Starlight pit in episode six, even I remember as a kid being like watching this for the first time being like, that seems so easy that that was his death like that was so like that's it like this guy who has you know the jetpack and stuff and he gets knocked by the one stick and then he's like, ah falls in it that, that's it i'm like that cannot be that and so it was a really cool scene to start with the escape from the starlight pit and actually seeing the uh you know his glove come out of the sand and it's like oh he survived and he's of course very scarred and uh malnourished and beat up and but he's a fighter, so he's going to make it through. So this was, a, I think it was a cool way to be like, how does he come back? Where do we get from him there to, you know, him meeting In Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. So we do have, you know, over the course of these four episodes, the first four episodes, all these flashbacks of him with the Tusken Raiders and him being like a prisoner first, but then becoming an ally, which part of the tribe. Very cool arc for that. I personally thought that 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 whole storyline, that flashback sequence was beautifully done. The world building, especially for that opening sequence with, you know, sticking his hand out of the Sarlacc pit, establishing how his armor gets taken away, how he gets found by the Tuscans, and then his journey through um, living with the Tuscan tribe, becoming part of the tribe, getting his own Gabby stick. I mean, seeing Tuscan um culture in a way that we have that hasn't been you know really featured all we've seen are i mean a little bit in mando where they were working together to take down the crate dragon but prior to that they were raiders they were you know the people in the desert who hated the people in the cities and tried to take them out and seeing that there's much more to them and seeing how that affects boba and what he he starts off with you know i'm just gonna try to escape and be a hunter like i know and over the course of this story arc, he realizes that, as he says to Fennec, you can only go so far without a tribe. And so, which truly informs how he pursues the, the throne of Jabba the Hutt and to become the daimyo of Tatooine. And so just overall, like the character building of that and setting up what was to come, I thought was really good. Um, and not, and then it was like the pre, the quote unquote present day where the slowness of story tended to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think the present day there wasn't like you almost wanted you wanted either to stick with you know one or the other. Like it would have been great just to have all that, at least two even longer episodes to focus on the flashbacks. And then because the present day nothing much was happening. It's like let's walk in here. I'm the daimyo. Chase those guys. Okay, that's done. I'm gonna chase those guys. Talk to this guy. That's it. And he's walking around with you know. So I I, I do appreciate that. Um, but I I completely agree with your point. Um, that exploring established lore in Star Wars instead of creating new stuff is really great. And you know, without having to, 
with creating something new. It's like the Tuscan Raiders, we look at these just these mindless monsters, you know, I hate them and they're animals. Um, you know, there's just more to them. And I just think also like talking about, you know, when he had Mandalorian where they were using sign language to communicate and things like that. I thought that was just a really, really great because you can look at something as, you know, as crazy and, and amazing as Star Wars, and you can look at it through a lens of this is just kind of nerdism, uh, escapism, but you look at this, this is a real world and they have real problems and it, it just identifies and bringing a whole new fan base um, to it. I think that's that was the goal of these, these shows. So, yeah, I, I thought the Tuscan stuff, I wish there was a little bit more of and I wish there would have, I would have liked if like, I thought towards the end, we're going to get to that. But I would have been like if they maybe he like connected with more of the tribes and the neighboring tribes and stuff like that. And like if I'm going to run this, I need like all the people of, you know, Tatooine to 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 team. Well, it's almost like I wonder if if they had made the choice instead to do like episode one and two was all the flashbacks of, you know, the survival of him, the Starlight Pit to becoming a prisoner. And then maybe by the end of episode one, he kills that that scorpion spider big you know giant sand monster oh now he's part of the, the tribe episode two is just all of the storyline of oh now we're introducing the pike syndicate and the enemy that is the overall enemy of this series uh the spice trade and then we you know finish episode two with him doing the big train sequence which was very exciting that definitely uh pumped up i think the show was the first oh, big yeah. action sequence that i was like okay there's the budget there's that really cool uh was them you know with the speeder bikes and you know trying to take down this train if it had ended that episode with him at some point going to town and then coming back and seeing that the whole his whole tribe had been decimated and then we get to this is why he needs to rise to the rank of this power too i think it i wonder if it would have told better because i will say for me they kept going the whole you know image of him getting the back the back to tank and then constantly like and now he's back to flashback mode it almost every time i felt like it's cool to see what happened before he got to meet mando and all this stuff but i want to just see what's happening now because it did feel like the tease of this godfather style show there wasn't enough of it until really the the tail end, uh, and it, it felt almost rushed in the end. Tamir Morrison, I'm glad that he's back to continuing, you know, this role. What I think, what's great about, I know that we have to see his face, but I think they took a lot of the mystique away from him not having his mask on as much. That was what made it, Boba Fett so intimidating. In, even in Mando, in Empire Strikes Back, and even in Mando, yeah. But like, that's what made him so intimidating in the first place when he first appeared in Empire Strikes Back and then again in Return of the Jedi. It's like, who is this faceless figure in this this armor, like with the helmet that looks like this giant T that's like, looks menacing and, and he has a jetpack and a rocket launcher and flamethrowers. Like who, who, who the F is this? Um, to quote Hamilton. <laughs> And and then, but you're you're right. Like taking away that definitely takes some of the mystique. Although for me, it also humanized him a little bit in a way. Even though even though throughout Mandalorian, like we didn't didn't Jaren like only takes off his helmet near the end um, of that season to you know for very specific reason. But I, I like the juxtaposition of like it's like he keep he's keeping his helmet on as part of his creed. He's keeping his helmet on you know at all times versus the times that we've seen Boba um in the movies he's on a job so he'll obviously always have his armor on 
in this show, it was, I think the taking off the helm is like, okay, so not only is he not a hunter full time anymore, so he doesn't feel the need to have his helmet on to protect himself at all times, but he's also, you know, he says, I'm trying, I'm going to try to lead with respect and not fear. You know, I'm sure the people, I'm sure he realized that the people of Mosespa would be less likely to fully respect him and follow what he was saying if all he did was try to intimidate them by wearing the helmet the whole time. Going back in like the different story arcs with Boba in the Clone Wars, I mean, we, you get, it gets established that before he's fully using his father's armor, you know, he's doing all these different things just as a kid not in his armor so it's like so for me I, i'm used to not seeing him in his helmet but you know but like you were saying like we were saying in the beginning like if you're ha- if you're more of a casual viewer and haven't sat through all of clone wars it's going to be it's going to be a bit of like a whoa hold on i know boba fett to be this type why is he constantly taking off his helmet he doesn't seem as intimidating which definitely can throw people off i think it also it has to differentiate from mandalorian yeah I think yeah. for some people, they will see, even though it's like this guy has the green brown armor and this guy has the silver white armor, some people are going to look at him and be like, why is he green now? Like, because people, there's going to be those people that don't understand this is a different character from Mando. So I, I kind of understand why. And I mean, there also could have been, you know, there had to have been a huge conversation when, when Pedro Pascal took the role of Mandalorian that there had to be something along the lines of, I love the the arc of this character and where we're going with it, but I have to show my face at some point. Like, it's very different to be, I'm just a voice actor compared to I'm going to have some physical acting. Because, you know, it's usually a stunt guy that's in the suit. It's not really Pedro in the suit the whole time, you know. So I wonder if there was also a conversation of, for this show, because we are going to have a lot of flashbacks and there's going to be a lot of scenes where he doesn't have his armor, you know, all the stuff in the desert. If we want to show him more to see his, you know, storyline for that but i did like yeah it's like the whole if you really yeah consider it in the in the timeline of up until he he you know then he he sees his tribe decimated and that is obviously a very personal thing for him and it's it's like he's never really you know like the only person that was really close to him in his youth his father died he probably didn't really have any like friends that he would you know you know he his arc to becoming this this bounty hunter working for the empire obviously thinks he almost dies escapes this whole arc of then having a tribe that it's like you know you get that second chance at life that is so rare it's like i got to survive i was welcomed now they're gone he sees who he thinks has done it this speeder bike gang and then it's like as we all thought in that first season of mandalorian oh he Fennec Shan, you know, the whole like him going across the desert and he's the one that finds her. Some people did kind of tease, though. It's like when she was injured, he was on that big old creature and then was walking real slow. Would she really survive that entire time? He got all the way over there. And then to get to uh, the guy with the robot stuff to uh, fix her up. Undercut. You know what, guys? It's Star Wars. You know, whatever it's, it's it is. But I do love the bond of him and Fennec Shan. I do think it's cool that we got to see more of them and how they work as a pair, you know, it's like his, his, his right-hand man, you know, right-hand woman. Ming-Na Wen, huge Disney royalty um, there from, if those don't know, Voice of Mulan, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She has this badass quality, but also there is just this really cool likability to her character. And I think this is really great to kind of see, like, this is someone I can trust. This is someone that, you know, I, and then I've got someone who's very capable 
Um, so I, I think that's a really, I really love their dynamic and I, I look forward to seeing that more if this progresses into a, you know, full on series. I watched uh, their interactions from that episode from what, you know, building up and she's like, why are you doing this? Like kind of a thing. And he's like, aren't you tired of working for idiots who are going to get you killed? And everyone of course is going, he just called Darth Vader an idiot. Oh my God. <laughs> Cause he's just like on the job that Darth Vader sent him on to try to get Han Solo. Um, I mean, in conjunction with Jabba the Hutt, he almost, he basically almost got killed. So it was just like their, di- that dynamic of, you know, Oh, I don't, I, that, that's not what I do. And she, he's like, no, I, I, I'm all share. I'll, I will pledge myself to defend you if you help me out with this and I'll even cut you in on some of the profits here. And so their dynamic and like their partnership, cause it's definitely not a job of the hut to Boba Fett thing where he was strictly an employee of job of the hut. Both uh, the two of them are working together and you see that through the modern storyline, Fennec has a lot of experience with setting these things up and with dealing with all this because she has a long history within star wars i mean she gets introduced she got introduced in um mandalorian but then she's been kind of been retconned into clone wars in the last season she's been was in bad batch as well um so kind of and with ming na when doing doing the voice obviously so Seeing the dy- seeing like who she was then as she's like, you know, starting out as a bounty hunter to where she is in Mando and then eventually Boba Fett. And it's like, they both, you know, it's time, it's, t- it's time to, you know, stop putting our lives in danger by going out on these dangerous things. And we're going to send other people to do our dirty work for us. And then, and then she, but she still shows off her badassery um, ass- assassinations by, you know, Tatooine parkour in the first episode and then just like oh that that gadget that she had in the stock of her sniper rifle that went in and mapped the inside of Jabba's palace before they went and tried to take out uh tried to steal the slave one back was I was just like of course it's just it's like it's such a simple thing yeah this little thing to prep and be ready to go in and silently it's just it was that is like that's the world building that they think i think that in the present day storyline they spent too much time world building and not enough time telling the story that was a great scene of them going back to get the slave one but then it leads me to uh <laughs> one of my first uh real uh irks of this show because there's for just so many folks strap for, in for many folks there's just there's just some stupid choices that our characters do for for being wanting to have a smarter life and uh uh you know a better life yeah um one of the dumbest choices i thought of the show although it was a cool action sequence was let's go back to the sarlacc pit and look over it and see if my armor's in there the fact that boba didn't remember that he did escape and his armor was taken from him why would it be in the sarlacc pit well he decides to become a dentist (laughs) it's like (laughs) open wide well it was just like it was like all of us knew as fans were like I don't think that thing's dead because uh, it's, you know, it's the Sarlacc pit. It just lives forever. And and it, it, the slow motion of the uh, slave one being like, like peeking in, like, oh, let's look <laughs> over it. Um, it was a cool action moment, but I definitely was like, that was like, there wasn't like a, they didn't have like a probe droid or something that could go in there. Yeah, can you that use that little device you just had on your little sniper rifle? You know, you have a- it's, it would have been a good idea. And then, and then he proceeds to go in there himself 
after they officially kill the Sarlacc with, with the seismic charge, which, I mean, we always love when the seismic charge gets deployed. Always. It's going to happen yeah. at least one, one, once, a, once a season. <laughs> that was a really cool moment, though, when the Slave One uh, does track down who he thinks killed his, uh, mm. his poor beloved, uh, yep. uh, you know. The Nikto speeder bike. The Nikto speeder bike, <laughs> and he just wipes them out. It's like, it's like shooting, it's like shooting uh, Womp Rats back home. <laughs> So if you, if you get to that point of the story, that's where it's like, okay, now we've hit what is going to be them going off to not need to go find my armor, obviously, which leads us to his story arc in the Mandalorian. And I think, I think the thing too, is like, before we get into now, what is the present day of the show moving forward with the story, that whole first episode, uh, I think it was episode six, right? Of season two of Mando him with that stick and just like he was brutal i mean star wars is very good about never really being too bloody like they don't really go gore you know like obviously limbs and stuff get cut off but because it's a lightsaber it's immediately cauterized and all that him it was brutal like he was kicking so much ass with that stick in that episode like it was like you'd see like the shattering of like helmets and stuff of these stormtroopers i think there was like even up to this point in the show, and even what we're going to see the rest of it, until really maybe episode seven, there was none of that in this series. I feel like they're afraid to go to that dark route because this is Disney+. Plus. There's kids who watch Star Wars. And like Star Wars is, I mean, clearly there's been dark stuff in Star Wars. I mean, look at Darth Vader's arc. I mean, he kills younglings. And it's like, there's been hardcore dark moments, you know? It almost felt like they they were like, we want to go so far, but we can't go too far because X, Y, Z. And we'll get into that as we, there's there's a few key moments, especially in the in the present part that I'm like, oh, we did not need that scene. We did not need hover Vespas. I'm sorry. I like the idea of speeder bikes, but hover Vespas was not the answer. Oh yeah. It brings me to the point, <laughs> this little cyber, the cyberpunk gang, like they just the back like, to the future two rejects. Is yeah. What I they call did, them. Like that just kind of threw me off. Cause it was like, okay, this is kind of, okay. We got some cybernetic, you know, some cyborg people and they've kind of teased about that. But then they're on these little bikes that I'm like, okay, are they in the wrong movie? Like what, what happened here? <laughs> like they just walked on. They like, what, we're from a galaxy far, far away and from the future. It, it was too clean. You know, this is Tatooine. Everything's dirty, grimy. There's no clean. Nothing's clean they here. Car, they don't have a speeder car wash. Like, what is it? <laughs> but obviously, okay, yeah. So post-Mandalorian, we had the tease of Boba Fett. He does this thing a bit before Tuna. Now he's the Daimo. He is now ruling in Jabba's stead. And we got to figure out how he's going to do this. And obviously, uh, it's going to turn a lot of heads in uh, mostly a negative way. The Pike Syndicate. These guys look like fish heads on on bodies. Uh, I did like the design of them. They're very. I always love in Star Wars when they have these these alien characters, but they have like just normal like American accents or something. Like it's kind of funny. Like <laughs> yes, we're uh, doing the job here. We're doing the work. But I like that. Okay, now we're introducing what is this Tatooine now in this in this day? Who are his enemies? Who are his friends? What is the Pike Syndicate? What is what is you know? And it almost. I'm sure this is something that's already been in books or, you know, some of the uh, extended universe of Star Wars, but it almost felt a little too convenient that a big part of this series is about the spice trade when Dune just came out. <laughs> it almost felt too like, I was like, are we really doing a whole series about the spice trade? I was like, obviously it's not the same spice from Dune. But I get, I get what you're saying again, 
to the casual viewer, even like for me, like I've read some of the books and stuff like that. Like it's been established that, you know, Spice, like unless you, if you just watch the movies and now you're getting the shows, you won't know anything about it. But Spice is kind of the drug of, of choice yeah, there. Other, other than a couple of mentions here and there. I mean, um, if you're in episode nine, Poe, it's mentioned was a spice runner. That was what he used to do. Um, you can you can make the assumption that at some point in his smuggling career, Han Solo probably ran spice to some extent. Uh, that's why he got in with Jabba the Hutt. You know, he had to drop his cargo. That was probably the cargo. And spice in uh, if you remember the Pikes Run Kessel, where they go to get the um, hydraxium uh, from Solo for Solo. In, yeah, in Solo. Yeah. We we're trying to get the, the hyperfuel. So they, you know, the pikes are running Kessel, which I think is not just the hyperfuel that they're mining there, but I think they're also mining spice. So they're running spice out of Kessel. Um, so it had, so you're right, Chris. It had been established, but it's only in those little kernels of kernels of knowledge if you're paying enough attention to understand what they're talking about. Well, okay, let's 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 talk about a few of these. Like, I do think there's some great characters here. There's some great characters, some not so great characters. So. Uh, first off, one of my favorite characters of this series because he was he was literally the personification of annoying uh, in the best way where you're like, I hate this character, but like he's doing such a good job that I get it. David Pasquesi as, as the Twi'lek Major Dome. <laughs> this guy who, was, who, was, who works for the mayor, it's like he always had the right excuse. He was, you know, it just, he had that nerdy, like, it just there was something about him that every time he came up on screen i was like i'm gonna be so annoyed by this character but in the best way because i just love that there was always this excuse of why the mayor either couldn't see boba or was always gone of course we realized later why because the mayor's working for the pike syndicate but it was like this this like um actually uh sorry but um you know there's been a meeting going on and uh we're gonna have to uh postpone <laughs> and like he just had this quality of like this, like this rat. Like I just, I loved and I think the guy did a great job. Jennifer Beals on this show uh, as Garza Whip, looking uh, gorgeous as a Twi'lek. Um, you know, for those of you who've never seen Flashdance, um, that's her big claim to fame uh, as as this uh, runner of the uh, the cantina with with, with her with her Twi'lek um, man, man and woman. Yes, her, her little like uh, body may, slaves that go around and be like, helmet? do you want your helmet polished? Uh, yeah, that's a little <laughs> innuendo there. Um, <laughs> but um, oh, we have a new a new Wookiee in the show. <gasps> I will say, you know, for, for, for what we've seen, of, we love Chewbacca. And Chewbacca obviously does have his moments where he is, he is beast mode, but he's so that gentle one as well. We love the, the gentle side of Chewbacca. And then obviously in episode three, we had some, uh, you know, more Wookiees, but Chris, Chris Santan, I don't even know how to pronounce it properly. Black Chris Santan. Yeah. This guy. Boba calls him Santo. A beast. This guy was intense. I love the look of him, the armor. He just had this look of like, don't F with me, like the whole show. Mm -hmm. And oh, I just love it's a former gladiator. I'm almost like, can we just get a series of, Wookiees as gladiators and like other characters like just give me a gladiator show set in Star Wars like I want that spinoff series I loved his arc though in the show he it clearly you know a lot of these characters they work for who has the best money and there's just this him being hired by the Pike Syndicate but then kind of turning tides working for Boba dude he he wrecks shop at some point I mean 
there was that one moment in episode seven where he he took a guy he threw him in midair and then shot him with this with his gun <laughs> and it just um, blasted away and i was like this dude is badass. I just I can just imagine uh, Chris Anton like in the middle of a gladiator ring. Just all you hear is a big Wookiee yell and in subtitles. Are you not entertained? Yeah. <laughs> and then we got so random because I I we did, I think Taylor and you talked about this. It was kind of sad that he didn't get to come back from the episode, but Steven Root is in this for like one episode, a very brief used to introduce the uh the Back to the Future rejects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then Danny Danny Trejo's in this as the Raincore trainer. Obviously, the Raincore arc is really cool. That was such a big part of episode six to have Jabba, you know, have this this <laughs> the ultimate punishment underneath that you would go into your death. And to see a Raincore that's younger, fully utilized with the CGI, to see it move, you know, we'll get to that at the end here. But obviously, in the in the scheme of this of of Boba working through of finding out who's his enemy working through okay these are now my allies getting to the point of the pike syndicate is very dangerous and we're going to need more muscle we're going to need more soldiers which obviously led us to this is where we change pace instantly it's like oh and by the way remember mandalorian yeah, well, guess what? You're getting a whole episode with just Mandalorian. Yeah, it's almost felt, it almost felt like they just made those up. Like, okay, look at the numbers here. Your ratings are different. It did Let's feel get... weird, though. And it's like, clearly, because of the way that editing goes, there is always the possibility that within a week's notice, they could have taken footage and changed course. I highly doubt it because it's not like, I think a lot of people were like, it's kind of interesting. They just filmed the whole Mandalorian episode like last minute. I'm like, no, this with all the CGI and stuff, this was done a while ago. They had to tell this story so that we knew why Mando would just show up because after being him with two seasons, you know, with the end of that show being Grogu's gone off with Luke Skywalker and Mando's you know, doing his own thing. I do think if Mando and Grogu had just showed up at like the tail end of this show it wouldn't have with felt a giant earned. battle, we would have been like, why are they here? Why is Grogu here? Was it Grogu with Luke? How, how did this happen? What it what it also allows is that when Mandalorian season three officially happens, you don't have to go through the same process of Boko Boba Fett of having flashbacks as to what happened. Um, I remember um, talking with, actually, no, I think I was listening to another podcast uh, inside the Tauntaun that our friends go listen to them, support fellow podcasters. Um, they were just doing a discussion talking about that and how, and somebody brought up that there were reports back last year, long before Book of Boba Fett ever came out, that there were sources within Lucasfilm that were basically saying, don't look at Book of Boba Fett as a new show. Look at it kind of more as Mandalorian season 2.5. And looking at it through that lens, these two, uh, the two episodes that heavily feature Mando make perfect sense. Um, and, it's, and then it also kind of makes, for me, the overall show makes sense because it's like, okay, with where, I mean, we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but where the show ends, ends in uh, episode seven, it's like, well, we could revisit, we might not, who knows. Um, but with these Mandalorian episodes, I mean, you get that, you get another beautiful set of world building and like some of these one shot, like that one shot that he does walking into the elevator, going up, dropping off the head, getting the information, then going back down, just all in that single shot, using, utilizing the volume um, here in LA is just, was in, insane. And 
I loved these two episodes because it really did delve into like, you know, we got to learn a lot about Mandalorian lore and we got to see our first ever view of Mandalorian live action. And it was essentially Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> that was intense. And again, playing into the destruction of Mandalorian, like now we're getting a good way to set up what is going to be a big arc for season three of Mando. What is his journey going to be? And kind of the whole, like, did you ever remove your helmet? Yeah, kind of did. Right. Well, now he needs to prove himself again. It's like, I think that was a great way to set that up. Also, it was just great to see him, him with the dark saber and like cutting his own leg and it being like, oh, that's right. He's not really good with it yet. Like, you know, he still has a lot. Remind of- me of video games when you like on these big RPG games, you have all these equipment. I'm like, how am I? It's like, I got this damn spear. I'm like trying how to like. How am I using this? I know. It's like, I, I, do you have enough space in your backpack? <laughs> I think the problem was for a lot of people, they thought that was at that point, the best episode of the season, which felt kind of almost like a rude statement to say because it had nothing to do with Boba Fett. I think it's because we've had two seasons with that character. We love Mandalore, Mandalore, and we love, we love seeing him. This it was just some cool visuals. Bryce Dallas Howard directed that episode, and obviously she's become uh, very well, very very respected for that. He's going to help out Boba with this big upcoming, you know, battle. Him getting the Nubu fighter was really cool. Having Amy Sedaris back, you know, to help that was oh. great humor. Uh, but it was just cool to be like, okay, well, his ship's gone, so he needs a new ship. And I'd be like, well, let's give something, you know, old school. And it was kind of cool to see a little bit of the prequel mixed into this. And and I love that because it's, you know, typically a yellow ship. It was like with all the parts scrapped and how they did it. Now it's all like silver looking, which totally fits his vibe because that's his armor. And I was like, this is great. Now he's going to go off. He's like, well, I will come back. I will help. But um, this, this in that stick he had. What's the the type of metal, right? With the spear, um, Beskar. Beskar. Yeah, being like, let's make a little armor for Grogu because he's like he's gonna need it. So it was like, all right, we're gonna go see Grogu, and I think for a lot of people are like, are we gonna see Grogu in this series? Is this gonna be like his own thing? Like I actually thought when episode five ended, I was like, oh, that's gonna be a big part of season three, and when he comes back to fight, that's what we'll see in season three. No, no, we're gonna get all of that in this episode six. Because we have what what I think was um I think visually was a really stunning episode to watch. And it was really cool to see. Obviously, we all know when Luke Skywalker came back at the end of Mandalorian. I mean, holy crap, that was amazing. The visuals on that, a lot of people are like, I mean, it looks like a young Mark Campbell, but it could be better. Well, a guy on YouTube hold my beer better. (laughs) And then Lucasfilm was like, you're hired. Hire this man. <laughs> and exactly. And I will say it definitely did look a lot better for this uh, episode. And it was, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like to see the journey of, we had rogue one and seeing some of the CGI work in that to now like de-aging and see where we are now. Like we could see a full Luke Skywalker movie of him younger and it could still be Mark Hamill doing the whole thing. They just have to de-age the whole thing, which is a big thing right now of um, the rumor mill with the new Indiana Jones movie is it's going to be a time travel movie because there's been hints about him, Harrison Ford being de-aged for that. And it's like, this I think is going to be a new trend. And a lot of these things is we're, we're, we're learning to do better technology with it. But 
it was really cool, I think, for me to see this kind of gorgeous planet with all this greenery, very different from Tatooine, and to see him training Grogu, I thought was like really cool. And to see that, you know, him bringing it up about Yoda. And now we're seeing like, you know, Yoda trained Luke and how Luke's trained the new version of Yoda. Like, really, really cool. Some gorgeous stuff in that episode, I thought. And even like the building of the, the temple. All those robots with the ant droids, yeah, making them and stuff. There was just some cool stuff in there. Is that a bench? How long am I supposed to wait here? Oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> Hello, R2's like, and I'm going on power saving mode. <laughs> R2 does that. R2's like, and I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, seeing Grogu like try, and he's just so cute. He's so small still. And I like that Luke was like, you have to understand that for you, you know, a lifetime is, is, you know, a lifetime for one being is one of many for you. Like you have, you know, you're going to be living for a long time. Luke was saying that Mandal- that the Mandalorian is uh, Grogu's dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he will, he will pass at some point and you will still be fairly young, but some cool training moments. But then we got to the whole thing of, you know, obviously Ahsoka shows up and it's like, you, you can't go see Grogu because if you do, you're going to affect his training. You know, obviously attachment's a big thing about the Jedi. And he kind of has to make that decision of, all right, I can you please give him this armor that was made for him? But I'm, he chooses to leave. And it's just so sweet because, you know, he really, really does want to see him. He just wants to make sure he's safe. And that was such a, I thought it was such a <laughs> sad shot when Luke has Grogu like up on like his shoulder and you see Grogu like, eh, um. but to have luke you know what are your thoughts on this a lot of people have made comments about you know only a sith deals in absolute the fact that he at the end is like first off and another this is another dumb lucasfilm thing where it's like how on earth did you get this uh let's following this the the steps of uh uh maz katana i um, i I may have an answer to you chris but ask the question first i have my old master's lightsaber yoda's (laughs) It's like, how did you get that? Did you go to the Senate and someone, did, janitor, did a janitor find it at some yeah. point? <laughs> janitor droid. According to the lore that I've read, at some point between that happening in episode three and him dying in episode six, Yoda rebuilt a new, like, built a new lightsaber uh... using parts that he had on hand and Dagobah or thought parts that he brought in. That's, I think. I don't know if that's the official canon answer, but that that would be a that makes more explanation sense. Be- yeah, because yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Who, who's going to go down to the to the Coruscant Senate floor and steal a lightsaber? If anything, um, Palpatine grabbed it for his own personal collection. You know, since Grievous was dead, <laughs> I could see Yoda on Dagobah having like a secret stash just in case of parts and maybe a kyber crystal and all that stuff like that, that that makes more sense but him being you know luke luke given the choice you can take the lightsaber and continue your training or if you take the armor you have to leave we'll go back to your friend so you're like well what, what's he gonna do meanwhile someone that i really only got to know briefly because of the the fair amount of episodes i watched in bad batch but i know is a big part of the uh you know the Clone Wars, a really cool character that shows up. And it was, it, this is where the Western element really took place. And I was like, I'm digging this a lot. Oh, yeah. We have Timothy Oliphant back as Cobb Vanth. 
you know, is obviously the marshal. That whole uh, first episode of season two was really cool. And him obviously being an ally to Mando. We we see uh, a figure out in the desert coming forward. And I'm like, dude, uh, this guy's walking a long time. We have Cad Bane realized for the first time in live action. And dude, I will say as someone that hasn't really seen a lot of the animated stuff, only, you know, a couple episodes of Bad Batch stuff. I really liked this character and Corey Byrne, who does the voice. There's just this, there's this menacing quality to it, him. It's so menacing. I smoke six pack of death sticks. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> the spice must flow. He was a, he was a no blooded killer. <laughs> and we did think, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great little standoff and do that idiot. The, you know, Cobb's like a little deputy. deputy. Yeah. He's like a little too quick to, I got this. I got this. And I love Timmy's look like, will you shut up? It was a very menacing thing to see him like threaten. And obviously he shoots the deputy, kills him. He shoots Cobb in the arm, kind of left it like, did he die? And then he just walks back in the desert. I'm like, this dude, does he, does he, does he not need water? I mean, he just looks, he walks forever. He's getting a lot of steps in. So it was a great way to set up that this, okay, now we're gonna have episode seven, the big, you know what's going to happen and it kind of even left me being like is there enough in episode seven to finish this show like is it going to be pressured into not enough time i wish cad bane had been introduced earlier as like even as a like i think if episode one or two had finished off you know the right before the credits had been an introduction of cad bane is one of the pike syndicates like top you know bounty hunter assassin dudes it would have led a little more like this is the main villain for Boba to fight in the end. You're gonna tease or two, and it felt like he came in too late. Uh, to you know, and even then in episode seven, like he there's a really that cool standoff moment, and then he kind of leaves for a while, and then at the end he comes back, and then we have this this big fight with him, and it almost felt like it wasn't earned enough because he wasn't in the show enough. But anyway, we get to episode seven. This is gonna be the big brawl. This is the big moment where they need to defend the city and they need to fight off. Uh, and of course, all the different families turn on Boba Fett. So we're seeing all these enemies from different areas. It's a great, it's a great shot, very like Godfather esque. Like what's happening all of a sudden? And you that know, bomb and... moment in Episode Six, where they, uh, you know, they go to the cantina. That was very Godfather, where you know the droids like, uh, "You left your thing here." I know. R.I.P. R.I.P. Jennifer Beals. R.I.P. Some of the stuff I've I've watched other you know people review and talk about is. A lot of it seems um, like very bad planning on our hero's side of they're just out in the middle of the open. They're not like in real shiny speeder bikes, really discreet. Yeah, it's like a lot of the <laughs> a lot of their choices weren't the best with the enemy having, you know, various little gangs here and there trying to pin off our heroes. It was really cool to see those two droids. I mean, like kind of like the mega versions of our uh, droids from episode yeah, one. Yeah, They were like Terminator, like Terminator yeah. machines combined with the Destroyer yeah. droids. Huge. And that oh. shield they had was like crazy. And like, even like, it was kind of creepy to have like oh. those spider arm kind of like and legs. They, like, like, they were like piercing things. Yeah, it was like little like, uh, yeah. Oof. Knocking Chrysanthemum off, you know, off to the side when he almost got through. With his little awesome like uh, uh, electro brass, brass knuckles. knuckles. I know, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> there was some, yeah, just some really cool fight sequences, and obviously seeing seeing Mando and Boba like midair, both with jetpacks, pinning off guys. So cool. These are the moments so where it's cool. like I don't care if the story has not been like the most cohesive 
that's badass. Boba Fett being like, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to uh, be right <laughs> Hold back. Hold my jetpack. I'll be and back in a minute. And he goes to the Rancor, which was teased that he was going to be on the Rancor. And I want to ride him. That that Rancor. Oh. Again, it's just to see it, it move fast. That King Kong moment, too. Yeah. Wow. Let's get to the top. And and then it. everyone turns on it for a second. I was like, it's just pumped up. It's having a good day. It's it's out in the open. It's not in its little pit. Let, let it be. Let us have it have its day. You're scaring it. Stop shooting. But um, Cad Bane. I love the Cad Bane standoff with Boba earlier in the episode. Again, that very Western, like all quiet yeah. on the street. Everyone's like, "What's gonna happen?" And just you know, and Fennec talks him down and all that. But a cool moment to me was, and again, it goes in the arc of where, where Boba, what we know of Boba from the original trilogy, is Cad Bane being like. This guy's a murderer. He was a murderer for the Empire. He was a bounty hunter. He was, you know, he's not a, he's an evil dude. And and then him being like, do you really think it was that speed gang that killed your friends? No, <laughs> it was the Pike Syndicate. And he's just trying to bait him to fight. So we get the end where Cad Bane fights Boba. It was like earned, I think, that moment of the arc of him using the stick in the end to to stab him. But I, I did kind of feel like it was almost like too easy that he died, but I don't or think he died. He? Or did he? We get that little beeper thing. So do you think that was a heartbeat? Was that a, uh, this is my location? Well, this is, again, only to the untrained eye. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let Tim go on his rant here. Oh, I mean, I, 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 I can, it's definitely open to the idea that he might still be alive. I mean, the, you don't hang on, you don't have a shot like that hanging on with that beeping unless... I mean, if they really wanted to show him dying, maybe like before they pan, before they switch shots, you just see that light stop and the beeping stop. So the, I think that there is definitely an opportunity for him to come back. Um, I would love that. And what's what I would be interested in is at some point, whenever either of you or both of you go through and watch the Clone Wars series and watch the episodes with Boba Fett, because Cad Bane was a mentor of Boba Fett during the clone wars because he and Django were friends or at least they were colleagues. And so Boba ran with Cad Bane and Aura Singh and Bosk, like this, this crew of bounty hunters when he was younger. And so that's where the, you know, this is my final lesson. He was, you know, teaching Boba how to be the, uh, a good bounty hunter. And so now, and so like when taking all of that into account, you know, the, the final battle, you know, it may, you understand where it's coming from, but I, in some ways I do agree with you, Chris, it does seem a little underwhelming because of just how short it was, but you also have all of the other plot lines in this, in the over, in the episode that you have to finish off. And once he, and, and especially because at that, that's at the moment that the Rancor is running wild. So he has to go and rein him in, which but who reigns him in, does. who reigns him in Grogu. <laughs> In one of the most adorable shots of the year, right at the end, as he just takes like, <laughs> and just gonna, like let's take him a nap. to calm down, and then <laughs> I'm tired. Nap. Oh, Grogu's so cute, <laughs> so cute. And then we got to um, talk about if 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 maybe the single most in terms of what I wanted the darkness of of I wanted that more more adult mature moment. Fennec going over and wrecking house assassinating. The mayor and all those people, holy moly, especially the 
the choking of the mirror and like and like raising them up like hanging and them. you see that little foot go, <gasps> and they're all like and then like stabbing like all stuff and then just her piecing out i was like that was awesome and that's that's where Absolutely. it's just like i that was that very godfather moment of like she's comes in silent does her job gets out and so yeah it's like the show leaves off with you know even boba fett's like we're not cut out for this like this is not something so it's like do you think you know we we get the the cool obviously the nubu fighter where a droid would normally go happens to be oh a cute little you know <laughs> little point for uh grogu to sit in conveniently um and that was a very cute ending with like no oh. no and it's like all right fine yes yeah, so he does the blast off and it's like what like, <laughs> it's just so fun and cute so obviously we know mando season three is going to come and obviously that was a great way to be like grogu will be with mando they're not going to be separated I do think there will be some more uh, Force stuff in his future, though, clearly. But with Boba Fett, do you think this is it for Boba Fett? Do you think that there, there could be a season two? You know, there's been hints of, you know, he could, instead of maybe sticking with Tatooine as a, as a Dymo, he would go off to other planets and maybe, you know, him and Fennec do feel like they're, they have a, a good bond, so maybe they would go off and do other adventures. And there's even been... I don't know if it's an actual quote by Tamora Morrison. It'd be kind of cool if it is that he's like, I would love to see a story arc where Boba Fett goes and hunts down Mace Windu as revenge for his father. Because although Mace Windu was blasted out of a window in episode three, we never saw a body. It's not confirmed that he's dead. He could have been off somewhere on his own back to tank. Do you think this is it for Boba Fett? Or do you think, was there enough juice in this series to earn him a second season and maybe a completely different story arc. I think that, I mean, I honestly could go either way. I think that where they ended the the storyline of Book of Boba Fett, you could totally just see this as, this was a quick little side story to set up Boba Fett being the daimyo of Tatooine, of the Mos Espa area, at which point now he's available to be used slash visited by Mando and other uh, and other characters that have been established in Mandalorian, potentially in the Ahsoka show, you know, um, you know, we have this option of if we need muscle or bounty hunting help or whatever, or a place to lay low for a while, we've now we now have Boba's palace, not Jabba's palace. So I could see both it not being anything more other than every once in a while Mando goes and visits and are they like feature in an episode of Mandalorian or whatever. But I mean, now that you have it established, maybe now you can truly do the, the Godfather esque show that you were hoping for, because now you have the, the Godfather in place. It's, it's almost like, you know, when they were saying, oh, this is going to be like a Godfather thing. It's a Godfather origin story. Well, even even Vito Corleone had to had to escape and had to start his, you know, how to start his family. And yeah. maybe Boba wants to go after the rest of the Pike Syndicate. You know, that was only there was only, you know, the, the one part that was in Mosespa. There's multiple, you know, things on Tatooine and obviously the spice must flow. You know, just because you stop one drug dealer doesn't mean that others are going to come take its place. And then we also did get that. It was interesting that they they did give us the only mid credit scene of the whole series was we saw Cobb Vanth is in the back to tank. So it's like they're like kind of teasing like he'll be back, which is great because we love that character. But it's like for what purpose? I would like them to dive into more of the huts because I feel like that was teased. Like they were know. underutilized. We had the the twins 
you know, Jabba's, they were Jabba's cousins, right? And there wasn't enough of them. And it, it, it did almost feel like, I remember a long time ago when, when they started talking about these spinoff movies that weren't the episodic Skywalker-based movies. Uh, Guillermo del Toro actually had really high interest in doing a Godfather-style movie of how Jabba the Hutt became the, the leader of that palace and how he became like the gang boss for this whole Tatooine area. And I feel like this was maybe the attempt to shed some light on how that all works, but we didn't get enough. We had these twins that they were in for very brief. And then it was like, we're going to go. You can have it. You know, it's like, I want to see more of the huts because there's got to be a reason why, you know, if you think about it, it's like they're giant, slow moving slugs. They why are they so powerful? Yeah. So why, why did they climb the ranks? And why were, you know, obviously they have a lot of, um, friends and allies but how did they get there so that could be a show down the line as maybe boba then goes to the huts and who knows you know yeah that would that would be a very interesting show especially because you know they there there is a little bit of the hut storyline um or at least hut background that is kind of del kind of they kind of delve into in clone wars and you find out that it's you know there's not just java or the twins there's like a council of huts that all that kind of run because hut space is outside of what was the republic or the M- or what became the empire they had kind of run their own essential country or galaxy of worlds um and so but they you know operate within re- republic or M- or uh, imperial space as well so I mean, and they mentioned that the, the um, that assassin, those assassins that tried to take out Boba in the first episode, you know, you find out they're only, there's technically only allowed to operate within hut space. So I think that there's definite, there's definite ground for developing a show, a show or a movie like that. There, and there's definitely could be an audience because you'll have a lot of people from the uh, clone, from the fans of the Clone Wars who are like, ooh, yes, I would love to know more about these different, uh, huts and how did like how, and of course all of us want to know how java got there like you know how long and how long he's been the how long was he the daimyo of those territories so you know there's there's a there's there's absolute potential for what could happen um but at the same time with how book of boba fett kind of panned out it makes me think that maybe like the ahsoka series is only going to it may only be a limited one season arc depending on how it fits into the into this now what the the mando cinematic universe <laughs> yeah well it's it's also like we don't want to fall into the trap of we just want a bunch of star wars shows if they're not going to be all made it's to the quality, quality that quantity. mando was now we are i think a smart maybe a smart move was that you know, Mandalorian season three was supposed to come out right after Book of Boba Fett. It's now been postponed till next year, or at least it'll come like December of this year, kind of like it did uh, the previous season. So now we're going to have a complete tangent of not this story. So we're going to get Obi-Wan coming up in May, and then um, Andor is going to come up probably maybe like September or something. So it's going to be nice that we're going to have like a different storyline to go off of with new characters. And it is one of those things where like, yeah, some of these are like Obi-Wan's only meant to be a one-time series. It's not like we're going to get multiple seasons of it. So it's like, I, I want more because I do think Star Wars has been doing much better with their live action series than their movies of late. But we hope that it's to a high quality. 
but then again, you can't please everybody. And I think that is something that is hard as they, they want to give those hardcore fans, those moments like a Luke Skywalker or something where it's like, Oh, Cad Bane, these characters that only people really know if they are really invested in it, but to the casual fans stories that they can follow and will make sense. So it is probably a hard line where they have to kind of go, uh, I don't know. So we'll see. Obviously, we're very excited uh, for Obi-Wan Kenobi to come out at the tail end of May. Get six episodes of that. So we'll be back with Timmy Boy. Uh, at, probably at that point, it'll be probably mid-July when that will finish up. But um, you know what, Boba Fett? It was a good time. It wasn't as good as Mandalorian. It had some flaws. But overall, it was still fun to watch. And uh, who knows what we'll see. Mr. Fed again. Maybe, maybe the next season will be um, him running a boba stand. Um, Boba's Boba <laughs> Fed. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, Tim, for being on today. We do appreciate yeah, you on talking hours. Oh, thanks for having me, boys. And you can go back to watch the book of Boba Fett now streaming on Disney Plus. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.